Welcome to the Agency Profit Podcast, a show dedicated to going deep space on agency operations, which is just as nerdy as it sounds. I'm your host, Marcel Petipoff. I'm the CEO of Parakeeto, a firm that helps digital and creative agencies measure and improve their profitability. Join me as I interview some of the smartest thought leaders and agency owners in our space and go deep into operations and metrics and all the other things you need to get right so you can spend less time worrying about operations and more time executing on your vision. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Agency Profit Podcast. I'm pleased today to be joined by a tax strategy expert specifically for marketing agencies. He is the founder and CEO of Craig Cody and Company Incorporated. And after a very long career as a police officer, he's now been helping agencies specifically pay less tax and, and keep more of what they make. And so with all of that, Craig Cody, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you very much for having me. I'm excited for our discussion today because I think this is the first time that we've really talked directly about tax strategy and you specialize in working exclusively with agencies. And so I am really excited to dig into this first class problem that we uh, can unlock if we're making a lot of money, which is now the government wants a whole bunch of it. So how do we make sure that we can uh, be efficient when it comes to taxes? So before we dive in, I'll let you in your own words explain uh, yeah, who you are and what you do. Sure. Um, my name is Craig Cody. I'm a CPA. Uh, I have a firm. There's about 28 of us. We're you know, based in uh, Long Island, New York. We have uh, employees you know, throughout the country. We actually have two in London, also transplants. Um, our focus is a little bit different than most accounting firms. You know, we look at the aspect of tax planning before we do anything else. So, you know, not just putting the right numbers in the right boxes. How can we do things maybe a little differently under the, the, the rules and then focus on putting the right numbers in the right boxes? Yeah. Okay. And so one of the things that I find fascinating, and, and I'm actually genuinely curious about this question, is your focus, like... A lot of accountants that specialize in tax, that's kind of the extent of their niche. But you took it a step further and you said, no, I, I want to work with marketing agencies in particular. How does the tax strategy change based on the business model? How would a, an agency approach this differently from your perspective? Well, the strategies don't change so much as the accounting and, and working with the person and what you can do, what guidance you could give them. You know, so, you know, agencies are, are interesting because there's a lot of opportunities to give them different ideas, all right? You know, if you, if you think of a dentist and nothing against the dentist, but a typical dentist, if, if he's making money, he's in somebody's mouth, okay? You know, agencies, as they grow, you know, the owner, you know, he's scaling and, you know, he's not necessarily on the phone with the clients all the time and doing the work and stuff like that. So there's a lot, a lot of opportunities. And the more people you have working for you, the more things you really need to keep an eye on. And it's very easy for things to get out of whack really quick. So it's a lot of fun working with agencies, in addition to the fact that there are some real good opportunities in there. Um, but you actually get to make a real difference with the owner, with the, the C team. Hmm. And so it sounds like um, a lot of this comes down to, you know, the tax code is the tax code but so much of the tax strategy is interpretation. And so because you have a deep understanding of the business model, you have um, a more discreet perspective on what kinds of things can you do within that business model 
to increase tax efficiency and you know what is like acceptable kind of ranges of interpretation those kinds of things am i understanding that correctly well everything is based on the code so the tax code says you can do it or, or if it doesn't say you can do it you know so you have to always stay within those boundaries um but you know most of my colleagues are, are super focused on just putting the right numbers in the right box okay you know, face it, as, as accountants, you know, we typically have our pocket protector. We'd like to be locked in the back room. We'd like to have as little communication with the outside world as possible. That's a vast majority of, you know, my colleagues. And, and that's okay if it works for you. What we like to do is we like to communicate a lot with the clients. So with our clients, we're having monthly calls with them so we know what's going on. And if you communicate a lot, okay, you get ideas, you know what's going on, you can do things. Whereas... If you're having that one or two touch points a year, you know, a lot of things have gone on. We, we're busy, you know, we, we have a lot of things going on in our business. We don't remember everything. So it's, it's really tax planning is also predicated on, you know, yeah, we've, we've got the plan, but now let's make sure it's carried out. And as we move and grow, what more can we do? Okay. What legal things can we do to save more tax? Right. And so, Let's start with, you know, why tax planning is important to begin with um, and why is it important to get ahead of this as opposed to do, you know, trying to be tax efficient in a reactive way. Anything you're proactive, at least anything I can think of that you're proactive with, you're going to be better off. All right. So if we're proactive with our tax planning and we're thinking about it all year round, we're going to be able to take advantage of various strategies and know what's going on when we need to do certain things. Oh, you're looking to do this. Oh, I'm, I'm buying a building. What can I do? How do I do that? Right. Versus having maybe that conversation in the summer. And then that, God forbid, you have that conversation in March or April when, you know, most firms, their heads are down. They're trying to get the work done. It's, it's you know, they're just trying to get the work done um, versus having the time to really think and say, OK, this is how we can do it. We have six months, we have eight months, we have two months, whatever it is, this is what we're looking to do. This is what we need to make sure we accomplish um, versus looking in the rearview mirror and it's past, you know, what can I do? A retirement plan? You know, that's, you know, or in December, you know, buy a car, buy a truck, or buy a piece of equipment. Like, you know, if I had the option of keeping, you know, 60 cents on a dollar or buying a truck that I don't need and keeping zero on a dollar, I'd rather pay the tax and keep the 60 cents, you know? So, you know, it's, that's why it's, it has to be constant. It has to be a lot of communication. And so I think it's implied, but one of the things that I heard once that really changed my perspective on tax efficiency was somebody kind of alluded to, you know, every dollar you save on tax, you're, you're, marginal tax rate is the rate of return on that dollar that you accomplish in that moment. And when I reframed it that way, it was like, yeah, what investment do I know that can guarantee me a 30, 40, 50%, I'm in Canada, so 50% in some cases, return on my investment? It doesn't exist. And so it's like, if you, if you look at it through a wealth building perspective, it really does reframe tax efficiency as being this kind of very powerful engine for you know, building wealth. And um, it's something that I think as you start to have more profit, you're, you're met with the champagne problem and you realize the magnitude of it <laughs> and just how much of a difference that can make. And so it sounds like the proactivity part 
really increases the ability for you to make thoughtful decisions, be tax efficient, and set yourself up to be in the right position when you arrive at that at that time when it, you need to make those decisions and, and submit your tax return. And that means more money for our family, more money for charitable giving, more money for all these things, all right, and, and building wealth. And, and face it, as a business owner, right, we're working, you know, at least 40 hours a week, okay? Let's, let's just, right, we're working 40 hours a week. You know, we're under a lot of stress. We have payroll we need to make. We have all these things, especially when we're, you know, in the growing stage and building and stuff like that. So let's take advantage of all the benefits that we're allowed to take advantages within the law, okay? Within the law. There's plenty of opportunities within the law. And so we're going to talk in a moment about how to actually save on tax, some of the best strategies that agency owners should be thinking about. Before we do that, because it's so related to this advanced planning, I want to talk a little bit about some of the tension that might exist within this. And so, for example, you know, if somebody was looking to exit their business or if somebody was looking to get financing for something, whether it be in the business or on a personal basis, those all to me seem like things that you as the person helping with tax planning would need to be aware of because I'd imagine it's going to influence how aggressive that is or, or how you structure things so that you don't end up in a situation where it's like, oh, we've decreased the taxable income of the business so much that now we have nothing to borrow against or you know situations like that that could arise if you weren't thinking ahead to what the intention was or, or what the plan was. And, and I have a saying, document, 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 okay? Because if you document what you're doing, and let's face it, we're not going from a million dollars of, of taxable income to zero, all right? That, that's, that's not happening. Um, but what we want to be able to do is when we're going for financing or when we're going through M&A, be able to clearly delimitate what it is that we say, well, you know what, I need this the way I run my business, okay? But if you take it over, you may not need that, okay? For instance, you know, I need a personal assistant. Nobody says when you buy my business, you're going to need a personal assistant, you know? So there are things that we can easily line item. I don't want to have to search for, you know, Craig Cody and pull up all those bills for Craig Cody and say, you know, okay, they're all over the place and deduct them. But be able to say, okay, this line, this line, this line, you know, you're probably not going to need that person that I needed, or you're not going to need this that I needed. So they're easy. And we've had, you know, many companies be sold, M&A. It's never been a problem because it's always clearly documented. Very good point. And that, that comes back to also this tension that I think is worth talking about, which is, you know, the things you're going to do to make the business tax efficient are often going to obfuscate a little bit, to your point, the the reality of what it costs to run the business when we adjust for those things. And I think that lens of like, if somebody was acquiring us today, how would we adjust things is a good forcing function to say, okay, well, this is how we might want to differentiate the management reports that we look at from you know, how we're going to file for taxes. How do you think about keeping those two sets of data kind of clean and coexisting without it becoming, you know, incredibly inefficient? I think, you know, just like with your software, you can run a report and you could pull things into a report. Okay. Um, and then you could pull things into another report. So once again, they're separate line items. So it's easy to do. Whereas if they were all added together, it's, it's a cluster and we don't want a cluster. We want something that's going to be, 
you know, very well documented and easy to show that M&A person that, okay, well, let's, you know, I'm not going to have my daughter, you know, who's doing some social media that I'm losing money on, you know what I'm saying? Or whatever it is, you know, you're not going to have this expense. All right. So it sounds like most things in accounting, it comes back to thoughtful chart of accounts design. And to your point, getting ahead of things, planning ahead. Right. You know, it's just like document, make sure it's documented, you know, but if you do, you know, if you do it once a year, okay, versus every month, you know, it makes a big difference. Do you want some free resources to help you measure and improve your profitability? If you do, then I want to tell you about our agency profitability toolkit, which you can grab absolutely free in the show notes or by heading to parakeeto.com forward slash toolkit. It's packed with training videos, cheat sheets, templates, and all kinds of other great resources to help you start measuring and improving the essential metrics that are going to drive better profitability in your business. And it's helped thousands of other agencies around the world do the same. So I want to encourage you to go and grab a copy of that. And if you'd rather get in the fast lane and just have our team of experts guide you through the process of measuring and improving your profitability, then I want to encourage you to apply for a consultation at parakeeto.com. And with that, I want to thank you again for tuning in. I hope you enjoy the episode and I'll let you get back to it. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So with all of that said, what are some of the biggest opportunities or the most important things that agency owners should be thinking about when it comes to being efficient on tax. Okay. Well, I, you know, just um, so we put it out there, I have a book, um, The 12 Biggest Tax Mistakes uh, That Agency Owners Make, and we can give you a link and your and listener that wants it can get it for free. It's actually a paper book from Amazon, and we do have a free course. But it, it's really, let's think of, there are a number of things that are what I call low-hanging fruit, right? Um, entity type. What type of entity are we? You know, are we a sole proprietor? Are we, you know, a partnership? Are we an S corporation? Are we a C corporation? There's certain tax efficiencies built into each of those depending on where you are. There's retirement planning, right? What kind of retirement planning would you do? And it's like, I don't like to say all retirement plans are not built the same. And I'm not talking about your investment choices. I'm talking about the way that plan is built. So, if, if we're in a position where we can put a lot of money away, let's let's set up a plan that allows us to do that. And, you know, as an owner, you know, you've paid payroll taxes, you've paid unemployment taxes, you've paid disability income, you've paid all these things. When it comes to, you know, high level retirement, you know, we want the owner to get 85 percent of that money, you know, because they've already taken care of the employees. Now it's it's time for them to reap the rewards. So retirement planning, you know, is can be a real home run. Um, qualified business income deduction, right, which is, you know, something that came out of the Trump tax cuts, and it's basically 20% of net income. I cannot tell you how many times we've seen, you know, decent-sized agencies where this is missed. Somebody missed it for one reason or another, okay? Maybe it was just entered wrong. So... Those are kind of low-hanging fruit. We've talked about, you know, hiring your kids. At what age can you hire your kids? You know, because face it, today, if you hire a child, and let's assume they're 15 years old, and you're paying them twelve or $13,000 a year, you know, they're basically paying FICA tax. So if you're in a 37% bracket, 
and they're paying no tax, just FICA, you're talking about a 22% spread. So that's, you know, that's a lot of money. And if you have seven or eight kids, you know, it adds up. You know, two or three is good. Seven or eight, it adds up. It might, I don't know if there's a cost benefit there. But um, so there are many different things we can do. I mean, there's, there's the home office. Like everyone's working from home now, right, post-pandemic. Um, in addition to the home office, if we do have a home office, we can have a home athletic facility. Okay? That could be our pool. It could be our gym. So these are all what I call low-hanging fruit that people can do. Okay. Interesting. So talking about entities, this is one that I think comes up pretty often. How do you think about the appropriate type of entity based on where a company is in their journey? Does that typically uh, correlate to scale or are there other factors that you pay attention to, to identify the right uh, structure? Location sometimes makes a difference, right? Um, you know, a, a typical new entity, okay, may not want to start out. You know, everyone says, oh, my friend said I should be an S-Corp, okay? You know, because you save on some self-employment tax and stuff like that. Um, but there's this thing called qualified business income deduction where, you know, it might not make sense because, yeah, you save some FICA tax, but you're still paying more income tax because you lose this deduction. So there's an analysis that has to be done. It's not as ground ball as it used to be. And, you know, I mean, we once had a client where we saved him like $600,000 just because he had the wrong type of entity. One, one little change saved him over $600,000. Now he was making a lot of money. Okay. But, um, taking the time, to look at it, do a little bit of analysis and figure it out, all right, this doesn't make it. Whereas, you know, if you're only going to that person once a year, okay, they likely don't have the opportunity to really get deep. Or if they do tell you something, come on, you're in running your business. You know, I have a bone sore and I have a pliers, okay? I can do um, amputations, I can pull teeth, but I don't, okay? Just like most agency owners shouldn't be doing their own accounting, okay? And they shouldn't be doing their tax planning because they're good at really good at what they do, okay? And they don't have the time to spend, all right, on the planning that they really need to spend, okay? And, and I'm not the only person that can do that stuff. There's plenty of really great CPAs out there that can do tax planning. And so... Um, when it comes to retirement planning, that's another one that I'm interested to double click on. Um, what are the big mistakes that people make when it comes to retirement planning that end up costing them a lot on taxes? Wrong plan. Okay. You know, they have a simple plan. Okay. Um, which means they can put away like twelve dollars or $13,000 a year versus, you know, a 401k that'll do like twenty-two, dollars $23,000 a year. Um, and, you know, not right now. There's a lot of credits available to if you start a new plan. And that doesn't mean going from a simple to a 401k, but somebody that doesn't have a plan, the government's going to give you up to $1,000 per employee. Okay. So if you have to put 3% away for that person, uh, the government's going to give you $1,000. You know, so retention, things like that, it's really good for. Um, so we see a lot of plans where they started out and they just never got around to changing it to something that's going to allow them to put more money away. Because once you have a 401k, then you can have a profit sharing, 
then you could have a defined benefit plan, you know, and get a couple of hundred thousand dollar deduction maybe, right? And if you're making money and paying a lot of tax, it gets to a point where, you know, you don't need all that disposable cash, especially if it's going to wind up only inside of your brokerage account outside. If we could put it in and get a deduction, it's a win-win. And we just made 33% on our money. Yeah, and that seems to be like when I talk to people who really <laughs> who really understand tax at a high level, it seems that the common thread is, yeah, when you reach a point where you have excess income that you don't need the cash you know, to sustain your lifestyle, a lot of this comes down to essentially moving that into asset classes that can retain that at a low tax rate or that can help you defer taxes um, or that can create a tax benefit through some kind of a accelerated depreciation. Um, but that seems to be the strategy is like we're, we're taking that money and we're trying to essentially hold it in some other kind of form, in some other kind of entity or in some kind of asset until we need it, at which point, you know, there might be a tax benefit at that point in time. There might not, but um, that in my mind is kind of how I see a lot of the strategies end up playing out outside of the obvious stuff, which ends up being trying to like um, maximize how much of our expenses we can actually write off within, within the boundaries of the law. Right, within the law. Yes, and, and accelerated depreciation comes into play mainly, you know, with real estate and, you know, real estate by nature is passive. So we generate a loss. We don't really get the benefit of it, but there are ways to set it up that you may be able to get the benefit. of. Just take some planning. OK, take some planning. Real estate's interesting because it's one of these asset classes where, like, it could be generating cash in some cases if it's being rented. It's usually appreciating, like you know, objectively, but from a tax perspective, you know, it's this thing that has to be maintained <laughs> that you could write off. So that that's an interesting one to me is, is, is real estate. Now, of course, I don't fully understand the implications of it, but it seems like a pretty powerful vehicle for a lot of people, especially if they want to, for example, own their building that they're in or, you know, get a commercial building that they lease and then sublet out to other vendors. Yes. There's, I mean, especially in the U.S., there's a lot of benefits to owning real estate. You have to just be careful you know, if it's generating a loss, how big of a loss and do you get the benefit of the loss? So too often people will come, you know, I want to buy, I want to buy this house. I'm going to turn it into a rental property. And, you know, can I deduct the cost of the house? No, you can't deduct. We have to depreciate it, do it over 27 years. But if we do an Airbnb, can we change it? Yes. Then we get some benefits if we do an Airbnb because it's a short-term rental. So there's a lot of different pieces that go into it. All right. That, you know, you just have to take the time and plan out before you do. So you don't go in thinking A and wind up with B. Yep. And and most importantly, you don't end up uh, behind bars <laughs> because well, we you did don't, something yeah, you thought was yeah. good. Uh, that's where somebody like yourself is uh, worth their weight in gold. Yes. Yeah. No, we, we don't, you know, and like I say, I have a license. I worked hard to get my license. You know, I'm not giving up my license. Um, so yeah, take the time, do the planning, work with a professional. Okay, um, you know we did a research study last year, and you know there were three basic groups of agency owners, and two two to three see the value, and then there's a third that don't see the value, and and you know that's okay. Probably just like the guy that doesn't like to go to the doctor, probably had a bad experience, and he doesn't want to go back to the doctor. You know, so. Um, I think it's important to have the communication and work with somebody that can speak 
you know, plain English, okay? Um, you know, start talking Google ads to me and all those kind of things, and it's going to go way over my head. Um, and I need to talk to you about what I do in a way that everyone can understand. So with that, Craig, for those that uh, want to learn more about you and what you do, of course, we have the uh, ebook and the, or sorry, the physical book from Amazon that I'll link in the show notes for people to get a free copy. We'll also get a link to your course in there. Is there anywhere else that people should go to follow you and the content you create? Um, we're on LinkedIn. Um, they could obviously go to our Facebook page and they could go to our website, which is probably the best spot. Um, we have the a link to the um, agency uh, research report, which is pretty interesting. You can find that on our website. Um, but definitely, <coughs> we're relaunching our podcast also. We had stopped for about a year, going to be relaunching that at the beginning of the year. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of stuff out there. And they could always reach out to us via email or all right. Well, I will leave all of those notes in the show notes. So if you're listening, just scroll on down. They'll be right there for you. And with that, Craig, I appreciate you making the time. This episode was long overdue. It was like trying to get the, you know, the president of two countries to meet. I think our assistants were really, were really running rampant trying to get this in the calendar, but we finally did it. And so I appreciate you uh, being here. I really enjoyed our chat. Thank you very much. I appreciate you having me. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you've ever found yourself thinking, man, I get so much value from this podcast. I wish there was something I could do to return the favor. Well, today's your lucky day because you can leave us a review wherever you're listening to this. And it is incredibly helpful. Of course, if you haven't grabbed a free copy of the Agency Profit Toolkit, go and get that. It's got tons of free resources to help you improve your profitability. If you're looking to get in the fast lane and get help from experts to improve your profitability and measure your most important metrics, then apply for a consultation at parakeeto.com. We'd love to chat with you and figure out how we can help. With all of that, thank you so much for being a listener and we will see you on the next episode.